Um, I want to introduce uh, our preacher for the day. If you are new here, we are an elder-led uh, church, and we're going to hear from one of our elders, Dual Brown, this morning. And uh, Dual's been working hard uh, since last night. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's been working hard for a while. Um, you guys may think this is really easy and that it's not work. I'm here to tell you that preaching God's word is work, and you sweat uh, when you do it. And I'm really proud of this guy. Um, so proud of this guy. Uh, those of you that know Duel, he's been an elder for years. He has served this flock for years faithfully teaching God's word, whether that's in discipleship triads, whether that's in life groups, whether that's been in one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one relationships with you, whether that's been by a hospital bed. He's been unfolding God's word and teaching you in the way of Jesus Christ and praying for you. And today he's going to um, uh, teach us God's word through the pulpit. And uh, I just want to say um, this, he's a little bit nervous because he's never done this before. Um, but I want to say this too about Duel. Um, he is, he loves Jesus and he loves this flock. He loves you and he loves Jesus so much that he's willing to do things that are hard for him and difficult for him to serve you so that you would love Jesus Christ better. Um, this is a sacrifice. He's actually doing what he's about to talk about. And I hope that you give him the respect and you recognize the love that he and Jesus Christ have for you and for this church. So would you uh, just pray with me? And we're going to support him and, and ask for God's blessings. Jesus, you are the king. You are our Lord. We love you. You have arrested death. You have redeemed a whole group of sinners here that needed your redemption. We thank you that you sacrificed your life. You paid a big price so that we could be with you forever, that our conscience could be clean. And we gather on this Lord's Day to acknowledge you, worship you, you're a living God, and you're a speaking God. We want you to speak through your word today to us. Uh, we lift up uh, our brother, Duel. Use him as you see fit to speak to your people because we need to hear from you. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. May it be so today for us and for the sake of Jesus' name. Amen. There? Uh-oh. It should be on. There we go. Oh, now I can hear myself. That's sad. <laughs> now, I remember two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Chad was talking about uh, when you look at people's faces and you see a look and you just know you know their thought. Of course, he did say sometimes you might be wrong. <laughs> but I'm going to take a stab at this this morning as I look out at these faces and I see some looks. 
And I think I can sum up a lot of the thoughts with a quote from a 60s TV icon. Well, golly, surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> well, trust me, family, there's no one more surprised that I'm standing up here than me. Uh, one of our former pastors, Cody Cargus, had a mantra that he'd toss out at me frequently. He said, always be prepared to praise, pray, preach, or die. And my response to him would be, well, I can raise a hallelujah anytime. I'll pray for anyone anywhere. And I do my best to die to self daily. But that preaching thing, not so much. So I guess God's word is true when he says he does direct our steps because here I stand and there you sit. <laughs> so let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are, the author and perfecter of all creation. Thank you for the love you lavish upon us each day, Lord, for the love you instill within us. Father, thank you for the sacrifice of your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, on our behalf. Lord Jesus, may your Holy Spirit be among us this morning. May you bridle my tongue from speaking anything but the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So most of you have heard the phrase, love one another. What are we supposed to do with that? Well, I'm going to take free license, as this badge gives me, and able to teach. And before we get into God's word, I'm going to throw a little pop quiz at you this morning. Nothing tough. Simple yes, no, nod of the head, raise the hand. Don't worry, I'll grade it on the curve. <laughs> so the first question, do you love God? How many of you love your spouse? Now you shouldn't have to look at them to answer that. <laughs> How about your parents? You love your children? You love your siblings? Now for a 10-point extra credit. How about the brother or sister sitting in the third seat of the fourth row on my left? Or the one sitting in the fifth seat of the sixth row on my right? So if I'm starting to confuse you, let's uh, go to God's Word for some clarification. If you turn your Bibles to 1 John 4, 7 through 11. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Jeff. So, did John the Beloved write this letter as a new instruction? Did he suddenly have an epiphany? No, it was written as a reminder of what the believers had been instructed in from the beginning. 
It was written as a guide on how to test the spirit of those who proclaim to be followers of Jesus Christ. It was written because John saw a need to reemphasize the magnitude of God's love for us, his children. And what are we called to do with that love? It was written for me, and it was written for you. Approximately 50 to 60 years after the death and resurrection of Christ, believers were not only falling out of fellowship with one another due to false teachings, they were falling out of fellowship with God. Why? Because they were losing sight of what true love is and where it comes from. As fellow believers, it's easy to lose sight of what love is, where it comes from, and how to share it. So what I want to talk to you today about is loving one another, how and why we do it. In other words, loving one another, what is it? Loving one another is more than mere words. Loving one another is visible and sacrificial. And loving one another is expensive. So let's see if we can break this down. Loving one another is more than words alone. Let's look at verse 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. The first question of my quiz this morning was, do you love God? The answer was a pretty resounding yes. But folks, I'll be honest with you. This is Sunday. We're in church. I would expect nothing less. Now, that's not to say that I believe that everyone that is in church this morning in this county truly is there because they love God. You see, to say you love God is merely words. After all, even Peter's words in the Gospel of Matthew did not bode well for him. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never deny you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. So let's take a look at this. Fast forward to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Peter couldn't even stay awake as Jesus had asked him to. Now, the hour had come, and Jesus is betrayed by Judas and arrested by a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by leading priests and elders of the people to retrieve him to the home of Caiaphas, the high priest. Now, though at a distance... Peter was still standing firm in his promise not to deny Jesus. He was following behind. He took a seat in the courtyard with the guards, waiting to hear the results of Jesus' interrogation by Caiaphas. Now, I doubt that Caiaphas' home was outfitted with triple-pane windows and sound-dampening walls, thus still leaving Peter well within earshot of this interrogation. It was probably more like an echo chamber in there. This interrogation reached its crescendo when Jesus replied, You have said it. 
thus proclaiming that he was truly the Son of God to Caiaphas. Caiaphas tore his clothes and hollered blasphemy. You have all heard this blasphemy. What is your verdict? And the walls reverberated with the council's reply of guilty. He deserves to die. Now I imagine Peter's heart began to reverberate about this same time as he remembered his words. Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. He could probably hear them beginning to beat and slap Jesus as they mocked and spit on him. Now it was about this time that a servant girl said to Peter, you were one of those with Jesus in Galilee. But in front of everyone, Peter denied it. I don't know what you're talking about. If you remember, Peter was called out by another servant girl at the gate saying, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied with an oath. I don't even know the man. Moments later, some bystanders came to Peter and said, you must be one of them. I can tell by your Galilean accent. And Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. Boom. Cock-a-doodle-doo. Was Peter's love for Jesus merely words? Did he not love Jesus? Was his ability to love diminished because of his selfish nature? Well, folks, sorry to inform you, Peter was wrapped in the same flesh as we are. The world would have us believe that love is about what makes us feel good or what loving you can do for me. But God's love is unconditional. It's more than mere words. Though Peter believed Jesus to be the Messiah, the Son of God, he had yet to know the completeness of God's love. Now, if I can go a little further as... Peter's defense attorney. Have you ever read a movie review? Caught the trailer? Now imagine yourself in a theater. The movie's about half over. And you say to yourself, I got this figured out. I know how it's going to end. Then pow, the plot is upside down and sideways. You couldn't see that coming. Well, that's where Peter was. He'd heard the prophecy of the scriptures. He'd been walking with Jesus, trailing, if you may. He had heard Jesus' commandment, love one another just as I have loved you. Remember, this was just after having his feet washed by Jesus. Peter got that message. He could do feet. But that wasn't the big picture. The final scene hadn't been shown. He had yet to know and experience the full visibility of God's sacrificial love. He had yet to be filled by God's love, born of God, the very God who is love. Though Peter was created in the image of God, just as you and I were, that is, given the capacity to love, his ability to love, our ability to love others as God loves us, was nullified in Eden. 
When the guilty pair's selfish desire was to be God rather than to know God. In his love for us, God chose to atone for Peter's and our, your and my, selfish nature, both visibly and sacrificially. Yes, family, loving one another is visible and sacrificial. Look at verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. The love of God, the character of God, the very essence was made manifest among us. Now, if we look at those two words, made manifest, and we utilize the help of Google, it means to make, in a formal way, something apparent to the senses. God, in his love for us, for the first time, made himself visible to us. Not only visible, but smellable, hearable, touchable. He sacrificially sent his only begotten son into the world to tangibly teach us how to live through him by his example of love for us and his love within us. Did this sacrifice by God out of his love for us begin and end at the cross? I can't imagine that. Jesus, his only begotten son that he sent, now, some translations omit the word begotten, but I believe to do this diminishes the sacrifice that was made here. In the Greek, begotten is monogenous, meaning unique and special, one of a kind. Now, as Christians, we know that we are called sons and daughters of God. Does that mean that we share the same sonship with God that Jesus does? I think not. Jesus is a son that was with the Father from the very beginning of creation. As John tells us in his gospel, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. This is the uniqueness of the sonship of Christ. Jesus had his hand in the very forming of us. It was more, he was more than a material witness in God filling our lungs with his breath. He was a part of that breath. It is this breath that created a capacity within us. It is the last, to love, it is the last sacrificial breath of Jesus on the cross and our belief in his resurrection that gave us the ability to love one another. It is not our love that allows us to do for one another. It is God's love, the Holy Spirit within us, the very advocate that Jesus promised. We are just the messenger. Jesus stated in John's Gospel, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Truly, truly, I say to you, 
A servant is not greater than the master, nor is a master greater than the one who sent him. Just as God showed his sacrificial love by sending his unique, one-of-a-kind son, we are, you and I, to be that very same visible and sacrificial message of love of God to one another. So how do we do this? Well, earlier in this same letter, John wrote, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother's need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Sini and I were on vacation, oh, several years back. We were walking down the street enjoying a time of rest the Lord had granted us. And we came upon a woman sitting along the sidewalk. She had three kids huddled around her, the youngest still in a stroller. This woman had a sign saying, need help, anything, food, money, clothing. Now, as much as I hate to, I must confess, I had a gambit of thoughts run through my head at that time. And none of them very loving. What did she do? What choices did she make that put her and her kids in this position? Where is her husband, the father of these children? This is his responsibility. What would she really do with the money? All these thoughts passed through my head as we were walking by. But about 20 yards past, my thought process changed. They started coming from a little deeper than my intellect, and they were directed at me. Duel, what choices were you making? What responsibilities were you taking? How were you spending what I had provided for you? How were you so deserving when I visibly and sacrificially redeemed you? Needless to say, we turned around and I rendered help. Not I, but the love of God within me. Now I could have just told her, God loves you. And I wouldn't have been wrong. But God's love isn't merely words. It's visible and sacrificial. Just as my love for God should have been visible and sacrificial to her. Now I know many of you, maybe all of you, give to various missions, organizations, or charities. Either financially or by other sources such as your time and energy. But why is it? that sometimes we balk at helping the person on the street, let alone show visible, tangible sacrifice to the brothers and sisters in this room. Maybe I'm the only one who goes through that thought process of maybe God's trying to teach them something. Maybe they need to trust God a little more. Where am I going to find the time? How can I afford to help? This could get expensive. Excuse me. Family, sometimes we forget, I forget, where the source of our love comes from. 
we forget how much God sacrificed for us. God showed us visible, tangible, and sacrificial love when he gave up his only begotten son to pay the ultimate price on the cross. He could have just said to the world, I love you. And he wouldn't have been wrong. But he wouldn't have been believable. Not only was God's love visible and sacrificial, it was expensive. Look at verse 10. Loving one another is expensive. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his only begotten son to be the propitiation for our sins. Loving one another is more than words. It is visible and sacrificial. But it doesn't stop there. Loving one another as God loved us is expensive. It was expensive to God who sent his unique, one-of-a-kind son into a sinful world. The son who from the beginning shared in his very deity, now physically separated from him. It was expensive for the son who knew no sin. Jesus humbled himself, taking on the weight of our sins all the way to the cross. If you didn't catch that, that's my and your sins and everybody else's. Thanks to Adam and Eve, mankind became an all-inclusive membership. Card-carrying sinners, every one of us. Paul tells us in the book of Romans, for some have, I mean, excuse me, for, for many have. No. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But there's good news, family. That inclusive membership is upgradable. It's upgradable to redeemed. Is this upgrade expensive? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's not expensive to us. It's a gift of God's love for us. But that visible, sacrificial gift, as I stated, was of great expense to God. He sent his only begotten son to be a propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation, such a soft-sounding word, isn't it? In the Greek, there's two translations. The first being halosmos, which means to appease, to atone for. Even that sounds soft and comforting. The second translation, helosterian, reconciliation by blood. Not so soft sounding anymore, is it? The blood of Jesus poured out on the cross. Christ mercilessly nailed to a tree, a tree of redemption for you and for me. Was this all because of our great love for God? Not hardly. It was his great love for us. When God called my name, I wasn't loving him. I was hiding in guilt and shame. I had let my family down. I literally made my dad out to be a liar. 
I was shirking my responsibilities as a husband and a father. Giving my love to white lines and alcohol. And that's just page one of my sin resume. Now the Apostle Paul, in his letter to Timothy, speaks of being the foremost of sinners. Newsflash, he didn't have that market cornered. I own a piece of that real estate. How about you? Thankfully, brothers and sisters, we have a God who loves us so much that he went beyond words, beyond high-def visibility, beyond immeasurable sacrifice, sparing no expense in reconciling the debt of our sin by the atonement of Christ's death on a cross. God, appeasing God's wrath against sin, turning his judgment seat into a seat of mercy. What greater love is there than this? Can we go beyond mere words? Can we visibly sacrifice? Spare no expense in loving one another? Family, that's what we're called to do in verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Now, when I first look at the full block of scripture here, <laughs> it reminded me of an Oreo cookie. Verse 7 and 8 being one side of that cookie. And verse 11 saying the same thing, only inverted a little to be the other side with the sweet goodness of verse 9 and 10 in the middle. So let's take a bite of that cookie and see how it digests in our life. So to do this, I take you back to my first question of the quiz. Do you love God? Do you know Him? Have you accepted His free gift to you? His greater than word sacrifice? The ultimate expense paid for the atonement of your sins by Jesus' death on the cross? Have you been born of God? Are you now living by the guidance of the Holy Spirit within you? The advocate Christ promised? The spirit of God's love? The very spirit that gives us the ability to love one another? Are you loving one another as Christ loves you? Now, I don't know what the word sacrifice and expense mean to you. Perhaps it's just getting up earlier to be here at 8.30 to help set all this up. Or maybe missing opening kickoff to stay and help tear it all down. Maybe going to visit a brother or sister in the hospital stretches your comfort zone. How about you run into someone in the store and they mention they could use prayer? Are you going to settle on the mere words, I'll pray for you? Or are you going to pray for them right there in the produce section? Careful, someone might see you. What about that set of golf clubs you've been saving for? Is it worth sacrificing to help a family in financial need? Maybe it's just taking someone to lunch today. 
to welcome them and get to know them. Or maybe next week you move from your comfort seat to the fourth seat in the fourth row and get to know the person in the third seat. I love you guys. Let's pray. But I'm going to change it up a little. Before we pray, could I have you all stand? I know Pastor John's going to ask you to stand for the final song probably, so this way you're stretched out for him. Now I'm going to ask for a little sacrifice. Will you take the hand of the person next to you? As we're filled with God's love, we're called to be a pipeline of that love. And if we can't let that love flow through us right here in this room, how can we let it flow out there in the community, in our workplace, in our place of recreation, in the grocery store? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to, to share your word, Lord. I thank you for your Holy Spirit in this room, the very spirit you dwelt within each of us, Lord. And I just ask, Lord, that that spirit continue to guide and direct us, continue to grow us closer to you. And as a result of that growth closer to you, Lord, we grow closer to one another. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.